Welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is moot. I am Jeremy and with us is Joe. Hello. Hello, hello. And today we are going to be talking about just our favorite video games. I don't know. We we wanted to talk about our stuff that defined our gaming now, I think. That's what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Joe came on this morning and he's he's like, "Ah, I heard the GameCube noise. And it's a satisfying noise. It's such a good noise. Like, oh, I remember remember playing uh, like uh, things like Sonic Adventure uh, and stuff like that on uh, on the GameCube when I was a kid. Yeah, I have the I have uh, the chow music from that game like embedded. Oh, I love that. I love that. <laughs> Sonic Adventure Battle 2. I yeah. thought that that was that that had the best chow world. That was so good. It had really good racing levels too. I really like Sonic and Shadows levels. And it's really. such a good one. I also had the one uh, Sonic Adventure uh XD, I think it was called or DX or something. Yeah, my It's the one with the chaos, the you know, the god chaos. Um the the water god who wants to collect all the chaos gems and then he becomes like this big water monster that wants to destroy station square the city you know okay it's a it's a that that one had a really good story it had a really good story uh that one that one i, I never finished but my, my sister bought all the uh gamecube sonic games because there were there were a whole bunch of yeah. them and yeah the thing is sonic battle 2 i felt was uh it was easier at telling the story it was better at it it was easier to get through it because uh, more fun too, I think. Yeah, it was because it had it had the uh, the levels were more like levels. While in in uh, Sonic Adventures, uh, you had to solve puzzles and find shit in like the overworld between missions. And I remember like before, like you had easy access to the internet and could just Google shit. You know, Google wasn't really a big thing back then. It was like Yahoo and stuff and it was really hard to find solutions when you were stuck in a game and that game you were stuck all the time in that game there was game facts game facts was around then yeah but you know i was a kid i barely barely had a laptop i I, I, like it wasn't my laptop it was my dad's laptop for work and i didn't know how to work that magic machine you know i I i always forget like i always think that we're the same age because i don't know i just do (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, the age difference between us doesn't really. You're you're older than me, so I should be more technologically literate than you. But you know, I'm from Norway. We're like twenty years behind. Well, I had access to a computer earlier because I'm older. Earlier in oh, time. Yeah, yeah, of course. So you probably had a, a computer before I did, but oh yeah, because I'm older, my my computer came first. You know what? You know what? My my math was way off. <laughs> how, how how old are you? Uh, I'm uh, 27, okay, going okay. on 28 this December. Okay, I just turned 34 last month, so we're about seven years apart. Yeah, you would have been that older kid who uh, who knew how computers worked. <laughs> how, what was your first like major console? What was like the first one? My first major console, uh, I, th- I think it was a Super Nintendo. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to Google what that looked like so I can see what it looked like. It was a gray box. Yeah. 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 yeah it was a the game's one of the NES. Top. NES. NES. That's the one. It had Duck Hunter on it. Yeah. We, 
we got an NES when I was two. And because some of those games came out the year I was born. And uh, it wasn't like my, my parents had a com or an, Atar- an Atari. So I remember playing like Atari games when I was really little. Um, we had it till I was probably three or four years old. And then I don't know if it, what happened to it, but the, the NES, we, they, they got it when I was two only because I remember my mom later telling me I was two or something. And then like we had Mario and this game called guardian legend, which was, is almost like a sandbox game. It was kind of cool. Like you had levels where you controlled a spaceship and you would shoot, uh, you know, it was, it was like a, a side-scrolling like shooter. And then when you beat the boss of that level, you would turn into like a guy and you would walk around Zelda style and you could go from dungeon to dungeon. The thing was, you didn't have to complete every dungeon. And unlike Zelda, which only gave you more hearts when you beat something, you could raise like attack and defense. So it's kind of RPG-like at the same time. It was super fun. Yeah. Um, I had that, and then I had a couple other like NES games that I don't even remember. Like we had Duck Hunt, and we had like Excite Bike or something. I don't even know. And then when I was like four or five, we got a Commodore sixty four, and I played that for a few years. Yeah. But uh, there, there was a game called Super Pipeline too that I played a lot for the Commodore. That's the one I remember Super the best. Super Pipeline. Yeah. Was that it was, just like a ripoff of Mario? Or... <laughs> no, it was it was pretty cool. The way it worked was, uh, you had this like plumber guy that would run around, and it was this this guy would come up and dump a liquid through the pipe, and you had to fill up so many barrels at the bottom, um, which meant you had to run around and patch pieces of pipe before the liquid got there. And these monsters would like come on the screen and rip apart the piping, and you had like do damage control so you'd like kill the monsters and then repair the pipe before you, you know all the water got down there yeah and as the levels went on you would have to fill more and more barrels and the monsters would get more vicious and they'd be faster and stuff and the piping would be more complicated it was cool that does sound cool but i definitely believe that it has something to do with mario <laughs> the plumber thing it's just uh, it's revealing i don't know i wonder which one came first Let's see. Super Pipeline 2 was released in dun, 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 dun. Um, I can't find the date. 1985. It actually predates Mario. Oh, damn. Well, you know what? You know what? Uh, I officially apologize for that then. Okay, you know what? Sorry, that was my phone. Yeah, original. No, they both came out the same year. Ooh, I wonder what the date is. I don't know. I'll figure that out later. But yeah, that was one of the games I played. And uh, I don't know. I was raised to play, like, there were no, I was always really jealous of the kids that had strategy guides. Either their parents would buy them a strategy guide just for the one game they had. They. Oh, I remember strategy guides. They were like the Bible for each game. Yeah. Yeah, and- you always think that like if someone had a strategy guide of the game you thought they were a master of the game because they knew all the secrets right <laughs> and it made them cool you know <laughs> yeah i was always envious uh i actually i had one friend who 
he bought both of the uh, uh, Pokemon guides. He bought one for red and one for blue like a month and a half before the games even were, came out. And he was talking about Pokemon. He's like, this game's going to be big. He's like, I think it's going to get real popular here. And he's like, I, I really... <laughs> he was right. He was, he was, oh, he was so right. And he, he said, I, I, I think like, this wow. game is going to get big. Yeah. Good God, that is a, that's a, some prophetic words right there. <laughs> well, it was, it was becoming popular in Japan and he had the strategy guides and like they talked about it in the guides or something. And he was, I he, bet that guy, I bet that guy is like a millionaire now in stock of some company. Like Apple stock, Google stock. He's not a millionaire, but he has his PhD. That's a waste. He could have been a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) With that kind of foresight, he could have been on like a private jet on his way to a larger private jet. (laughs) He, he, uh, he's a, he's a really bright guy. He wrote a, an article that got published on ESPN about Jackie Robinson when we were in like middle school or something. Yeah. It was crazy. He's, he's he's brilliant um but he yeah he talked about pokemon and he bought it and he, he called me like every single day like jeremy you gotta get pokemon and so after like a week and a half i like pulled out all my savings and i bought a game boy color and got, got po- uh, pokemon blue <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i don't know it's weird how, it's weird thinking about how like games define your entire childhood yeah, I have a couple of games there, like um, Diablo 2 especially. Now that game, uh, that game, I feel shaped me and like my sense of aesthetics a lot. When did you start? How old were you when you first played it? Oh, very young, man. I can't remember exactly, but um, I was young enough that I, 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 at first I couldn't install it myself. So my uncle did it for me. Yeah. And uh, I remember after school, because uh, uh, my parents had me quite young, so they uh, they they were you know they they weren't uh, they weren't that great at raising kids at that age because they were basically kids themselves. So I <laughs> would spend a lot of time at my grandparents after school to do my homework and you know basically uh, you know get my manners. Uh, and my grandfather's work laptop. He uh, he had uh, Diablo two installed there for me. Yeah. As a reward after doing my homework. Uh, and uh, uh, I would play Necromancer, of course, exclusively. And uh, <laughs> uh, it was just the best time. It was just the best time ever. Just raise legions of skeletons and just walk through. And even today, when I play Diablo, which I haven't done this year, but you know, last year I did. That is the exact same way I play. Just raise a million dead things and just watch them do the work for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's, it's just oh, it's it's Diablo Two is a beautiful game. It was, and, and, and it's interesting here you talk about it like that because Diablo Two. I didn't play Diablo Two until I was in high school, and so I did sink quite a few hours into it, and I beat it a couple of times with a couple of different classes, but I never got that into it. And by then I had already, I already had things that I was addicted to, you know, <laughs> I, had, I played a lot of, a ton of Smash Brothers. I played a lot of Morrowind, like Morrowind was the first game I bought when I, I, I worked a couple of summers and saved up my money and I bought a computer and 
that Morrowind was the first game I bought for it. So that was a real like defining thing. So I like I like adventure kind of exploratory games more than I like slugfest grindy games. But I think it's because I didn't play a lot of games like Gauntlet when I was younger. No, I, I don't think it. I don't think it's that at all actually because I, I you know I was uh, I was introduced to. Uh, uh, to Elder Scrolls way late, like a year before Skyrim, maybe, and actually now like 2009-ish. But I, I, I was introduced to Elder Scrolls real late, and I am in the same boat as you are. Like I, I think I think adventure games like that are way better than games like Diablo. Okay. Yeah, I my like if I'm gonna play Diablo, it is purely emotional to do it. Uh, like the gameplay, it's good, but Morrowind is better. Oblivion is way better, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and I feel that same way about like Final Fantasy Four. It's like you could remake Final Fantasy Four on you just downloading a free RPG maker, and you could remake it yourself. Like it's not, and it's like the story's bad and like super generic, and it's just kind of ridiculous, and it's kind of hard. It's too hard for being, and it's not super enjoyable either because the random battles, like you can walk like three steps sometimes and they'll put you in these like giant sprawling 10 floor dungeons and you just have to go through dealing with fight after fight after fight and it's, it's grueling, but I still play it because I like the music and it was the first RPG I ever played. It was the first like story driven game. I played it at my friend's house and he's like, oh yeah, I don't play this. He's like, do you want to borrow it? And I was like, yeah. And I beat it like three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> but I replayed that a couple of years ago. And it was, let me tell you, only because of the nostalgia. I couldn't, if someone's like, here, play this game. I'd be like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's the thing, right? A lot of the great games of your childhood, if you were to introduce them to like a friend or a girlfriend now, you know, you would have to try and go like, well, well, no, 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 you just, you have to think this way. You have to like, you'd have to kind of like lead them into it, you know? Right. You have it's to like, give, give them the context for your entire life for them to understand why. It's exactly. Good. And then they can only understand that like, okay, I get that you really like this game. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a hipster showing an old movie to someone, you know? <laughs> right. No, this, this guy was revolutionary, man. He invented the Steadicam, Stanley Kubrick, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, yeah, but 2001 Space Odyssey is still painful to watch. Right. <laughs> like, that movie is still old. Like, I started teaching intro to film, and I wound up having to watch a bunch of old movies because I was teaching intro to film, and I had to know, you know, a lot of the classics. And yeah. it was annoying more than it was fun. Like, it was, it's cool having seen you know a bunch of just old old shit now but i wouldn't want to have to go through it again and i will never watch those movies a second time no i have a tremendous amount of respect for them uh on the basis of that they are you know what they are what they mean historically yeah but we've got the the movies are with a few exceptions there's a few classics that are really good but the movies are better in general and, and like people will say, oh, they aren't. Oh, blah blah blah. But okay, computers are better now. No, no, the the big machine that uh, took up a whole room actually got someone to the moon once. Yeah, okay, you know. <laughs> but my calculator can now do more than that. Than yeah, that yeah. <laughs> like my phone is way better than the computer that got people to the moon. I don't care. Better than what they were like, using in the eighties, let alone the sixties. <laughs> yeah, like 
I, I completely respect that computer slash movie for achieving that, for being the first thing to achieve that. But it isn't better now. Yeah. No, 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 no it is better now. You know? Of course, I, my opinion on this does change a little from game to game. Because uh, some games, I do believe, were better then than they are now. Uh, and uh, that is not from, like, I, I just kind of, like, talk shit about people who think the old stuff is better, you know? But, so <laughs> it's going to be hard. It's, it, it, I, feel, I feel like a hypocrite immediately as I turn around now. But the whole point I'm trying to make really, really well <laughs> is that some of the game mechanics in the older games aren't reliant on stuff like they, they aren't trying to do microtransactions or trying to add convenience to the game for the sake of it. I'm specifically talking about games like World of Warcraft, where adding levels of convenience uh, kills some of the difficulty of the game, kills some of the reason to play with other players. Well, it also kills the, the feeling of reward when you get to the end. Because exactly. If, if it's not difficult, and if it doesn't require you to work together with other people in an MMORPG, for instance, uh, it's it becomes just something to waste time on yeah kind of like our podcast yeah exactly (laughs) and i wouldn't wish this podcast upon anyone not even my worst (laughs) well no actually we have a distinct advantage over terrible video games because you can do other things while listening to a podcast but a video yeah have to use the controller exactly that's our strong selling point that is our hook from now (laughs) our whole hook is that you don't have to only listen to us Yeah, you can listen to us, but you don't have to. That's that. Like, we can just be like a, a thing that's annoying you on the side, right? <laughs> Until you realize it's like it's like having a window open. You don't notice it at first, then over time, it's like I don't have to deal with this. Let me close that real quick. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, it, I think I think what you said about movies is really interesting, though, because I think the quality of movies is undeniable, and, and the quality of writing has both gone up. Um, I think. This this actually came up the last time I taught intro to film, which I'm teaching again in the spring, which I'm very excited about. But last time I taught it, uh, we got into a discussion in class um, where we were talking about uh, how uh, someone brought up that that uh, Quentin Tarantino is often called like the last great director. You know, like he's the last one that's still directing as a filmmaker, not as like a blockbuster producing whatever. I don't and, know, man. You sh- showed me that movie Hereditary, and I thought that was pretty fucking divine. <laughs> well, and I told I told them I was like, I think other directors are also doing movie creation stuff. And what I think one of the reasons, <laughs> just to just to applaud Hereditary a little more, what they're really good at doing, like he tried to make as as little of that movie CGI as possible. So they had to figure out a lot of those stunts with like wires and other special effects like the good old days yeah, and it, I, I noticed that especially with like the spoiler alert uh when the woman was like climbing through the air yeah you know like she's crawling through the air that is so because that because she they didn't use cgi they didn't try to make it look real right it looks really fake but real because they uh, didn't fake it it's like one of those that, things that makes it so much life. more it makes it so much more creepy so unsettling it goes really, really deep into like, uh, into like the the uncanny valley of movement, but it is completely real. Like I can't say why that's wrong. I can just feel that it's wrong. It's like being in the warp, you know. 
Yeah, it's like seeing a car wreck. You know, when you see a car wreck, it looks fake because it doesn't seem like it should be allowed to happen, but it's it's in front of you. You know, and that exactly. it, it doesn't look like stilted or like skittish or like they turned up the speed of the camera or something. Like it it, it looks like she's really doing it, but it looks so unsettling because maybe maybe that's that's the magic of not using CGI. Yeah, because she's she's doing something completely real, but she's doing it in the air. Yeah, like even even their candle, like turning the candle on, they did it with magnets or something. Like they did they did in CGI the the candle trick either. Ah, oh, that's fantastic. But anyway, we were talking about Quentin Tarantino, and and they were saying like you know last great director, and um, <laughs> one I think it goes hand in hand with video games though because if you have if, if the claim is that someone is like directing a Marvel movie, they're really good at capturing shots, but they have all, you know, an entire arsenal of computers and software engineers and graphic designer, artist, people, whatever, graphical artists to make that happen. Um, it, it feels more manufactured and it doesn't feel like they have to be as creative. Whereas, you know, if your job is to light a candle using magnets and you know your solution is magnets. Maybe that creativity bleeds into the film and makes it feel more like a film. You know, like Quentin Tarantino, uh, still trying to do as many special effects for like the gore and stuff as he can. You know, just using his ingenuity and like old timey studio tricks. It, I think that like the indie market in video games now is partially due to the restrictions. The developers used to have you know they have limited resources and they have to make the games as cool as possible or they have to invent new mechanics to make and, and sometimes those mechanics make the game better whereas like a triple a game studio like ea they can produce whatever they want they have zillions of different you know approaches that they can take for a game and a lot of their games are just taking an old game thinking of like the the FIFA franchise, which is in Madden and all those, where they just take the old game, they they throw in a couple new players in, they adjust stats or whatever, and then they re-release it as the next year and people buy it. Yeah, just milking the wallets of the fans. Right. To me, that's like the Marvel equivalent. Yeah, but Marvel movies are trash though. Like, oh. I'm sure, I, 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 obviously I don't watch many of them, uh, Despite being a massive nerd, I'm not that interested in superheroes. Uh, I have a passing uh, interest. I liked uh, Ant Man and I liked the uh, Captain America movies. Those were great. I haven't seen it in any of those, those uh, but those I, I, I did see I did see the Thor movie because it was in a movie theater and uh, I was with uh, you know it was it was a girl I was dating who wanted to watch it. Yeah, and uh, it I thought it was terrible. I don't think Thor is terrible, but I don't think it's. No, I, I mean the Thor movie with the where he where he loses an eye. Uh, Jeff Goldblum is in it. Jeff Goldblum is hilarious in it, but the movie. Is oh, oh, Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, uh, so bad. It starts so bad too. Like you have this big devil guy talking to him, and he's like, like they just they're just pissing on themselves by breaking the tension immediately by him spinning in circles. And being all cheeky, and that's supposed to be like, oh, we don't take it ourselves so seriously. We're really funny and quirky movie making people. No, if you don't take yourself seriously, why the fuck should I? 
Well, and that's why a lot of people like the DC universe because DC universe is like grittier, more serious. Yeah, but we're talking about movies now. We're supposed to be talking about games. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. So yeah. anyway, I I think that uh, oh, at the beginning games were more creative in general, not always. Obviously, there are a lot of there are good creative games being released now, but I think people had to be more creative because they had more restrictions placed on them. And as time went on, they had more tools and they also had more precedent to work from. They're like, oh, this old game made it work and they were super popular. So I'll just kind of redo that with, uh, uh, now you can jump higher, I don't know, whatever. And indie games are flourishing because it, it, they, they also have to be creative because they're working with strapped resources. Yeah. So that's my, it took me like 10 minutes to say that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Let's talk about Heroes of Might and Magic. Oh, that's a good game. Oh, that is that is nostalgia in a can. <laughs> oh, I am such a fan of Heroes of Might and Magic. I love it so much. It it I think that game cemented my love for fantasy universes. Really? Uh yeah, I think so. Because huh. uh, I was introduced to Warcraft 3 uh after uh, heroes but heroes was basically my introduction to a fantasy universe oh man and uh what, of what course, about like what about books and stuff i mean like i wasn't much of a i wasn't uh, interesting enough i didn't really read much fiction when i was a child i was really into like science books and stuff when i was a kid i would sit and read lexicons and stuff about animals dinosaurs how the tiger's eye worked random shit like that you would have thought I was becoming a scientist or something, but uh, I think I read. I, I I think I was done reading about that by the time I stopped being a kid. You burned yourself out in your childhood. Yeah, but it's funny because my grandma still has some of those books and this book of books in her library. Uh, that it's all just factual, like stuff that you would normally learn in like a science class in a school. Yeah. And I would I would sit and just be consumed by it because I really liked animals and dinosaurs. And I was just really interested in knowing more about them. And then I got like consumed in how they worked, how like a tiger can draw in its claws and how enzymes in certain animals, uh, like they use their enzymes uh, in their mouth, you know, their spit to hunt, sure. stuff like that. It, it was just, it blew my mind and I would just sit and consume books with that. <laughs> but I, I have I, I I've not even read Lord of the Rings to this day. Wow. You know? Man, I I like so my mom read to me The Hobbit when I was in first grade. And we started reading Lord of the Lord of the Rings and uh we didn't get through the first book. She just got busy and stuff. So I, I wound up rereading I wound up reading it all in second grade. And it, I didn't understand all of it. Like there were parts that were just long and it felt very dry to like seven year old. <laughs> yeah, I just pushed through and I re reread it like once a year. But then I got other books like uh, the, there was a Lloyd Alexander children's fantasy series. Um, they made a movie based on that universe. So the second book is called The Black Cauldron. And uh, I really like those books. Uh, I read a bunch of like Terry Brooks. And then I just started getting into fantasy. Like by the time I was in fifth grade, I was reading fantasy all the time. And so I searched up games based on that interest, you know, yeah, yelling red wall in video games. Cause I, I liked, you know, um, 
those were, those were awesome books. Brian Jocks, I think was the writer. Brian Jocks wrote these a series of books about like mice and rabbits and what? them set in like a medieval fantasy setting. So the first like strategy game I played was called Populous for the Super Nintendo. And it was this game where you couldn't even control your guys. You, you played a god. And so what you could do is you could change the elevation of the ground to make it easier for your people to build on it. And you could cause like earthquakes and tornadoes and, and like all these horrible like natural disasters. So you would try to build up your territory and then go wreck the enemy's territory. And you could build, you could, the other thing you could do is you could by divine, you could apply a divine mandate to, a, to a, just a random dude and turn him into like a holy crusader knight. And he would just go off and just wreck crap. So you would try to create as many knights and, and cause as many natural disasters as possible and build this empire. And I went to visit my uncle. We were supposed to be going, we, we, we went to the zoo the next day. I think it was in Cincinnati. He lived there at the time. And everybody went to bed real early because he had just gotten off of like a 36 hour shift and my grandmother was real tired. It was like three in the afternoon. So everybody like three or four, everybody went to sleep. And he's like, oh, I have a couple of Super Nintendo games. He had like Donkey Kong 2 some other game and then he had populace and i played populace for like four straight hours and he woke like he woke up to make dinner and he looked over and he's like you're still playing that he's like that game's awful why don't you play donkey kong and it's like i don't know i just really like this game and then he like let me take it home because he hated it he thought it was terrible and so <laughs> i played the crap out of it so by the time i played something like heroes of might and magic i was like ready for that type of games i wanted like a better strategy game and I wanted something with that amount of variety because I had already played the Warcraft game, the Warcraft one and two, there was no variety. It was just humans and orcs. And like a human footman was the same as a human grunt. They had the same stats. They cost the same amount of money and all the units were the same, except for your wizards got different spells. That was it. That sounds really, really dull. It was still fun though, because I had, it was like one of the original RTS games and I played like Warcraft one and when Warcraft 2 came out, it was like so shiny and pretty and the levels were fun and it had a great story. And the, 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 the instruction manuals had like short stories in them with like all the factions and like all this background history. And I would just read it over and over again. Um, part of that's like just due to my obsessive personality. <laughs> so I just absorb it. <laughs> but Heroes of Might and Magic blew my mind because of its variety. There was just so many different every single faction was wildly different yes. the levels were were even like even the you like your faction is kind of you you know right kind of your faction that feels like you yeah yeah it it you could you you they each had different play styles and even if you sucked with the game and didn't weren't really good with strategy you know you still got a sense of how each one played I don't know, like the, uh, the, the wood, the wooded faction, they're like speedy and they have like good archers and stuff. And the undead are just spam skeletons and conflux were only played by idiots without friends. Yeah. I mean, conflux is, uh, it is the, it is the asshole of factions. If, 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 if all the factions consist of a body Conflux is the asshole. <laughs> so what would make the rest of them? I mean, like, 
I, I, you know, maybe Necropolis is like your hair because it just keeps growing and growing, but it's dead the whole time. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a nice way to describe hair and the Necropolis. <laughs> I, I don't think I would have ever thought to compare the necropolis to hair. I'll be honest. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't. I, I'll confess. I didn't. As much as I hate conflux, I would have never comp compared it to an asshole. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I mean, the people who do play con are pretty shitty. That's true. Yeah. Facts. If, if if anybody's listening and they're offended, they're like, "I'm a conflux player." Well, one, thanks for listening. Thanks for being a fan. But two, I don't really care. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's your Whatever. fault for picking the broken faction that was added with DLC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although, not DLC, because you couldn't download jack shit back in the day. So expansion is the right Expansion, term. yes. So what was it, not counting Necropolis, what was your favorite faction? Oh, uh, Necropolis with a different hero. <laughs> Stuff that doesn't count. <laughs> okay, I'm okay, gonna okay. patch the game so that, okay. so that you, there's no necropolis and we have to play it on random. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, I think it might be. You know what? Uh, Fortress. I really like the lizard men and, and the Hydra. Okay. Yeah, I thought Fortress was. They are. They're all in a swamp. It's really different. Yeah, and it's annoying as hell to attack them. Yeah, oh god, yes, yeah, it's, it's painful. <laughs> um, although dungeon, I really like the dungeon too. They are the bad guys of the faction. No, actually, you know what? Inferno, Inferno used to be my favorite faction after Necropolis. Yeah, the the cool yeah. thing about Inferno is their their demons could spawn anywhere on the map. Yeah, they could just like teleport. <laughs> and and uh, with uh, the pit lord, you know the guy with the whip. He uh, can summon things, I think. Yeah, he could raise demons from corpses. That was his like upgraded ability. So if you killed, uh, like, if, if all your imps died, you could raise a bunch of demons from their corpse. Okay. Yeah. I, just, I don't remember how that worked, but I, I remember he could like bring up demons. Yeah, he's basically he's basically when it was the pit lord's turn, you just click on the corpses. Hmm. Because he has the, he has the, like he has, it's like a spell, kind of like how the angels could resurrect the dead. Yeah. He turned them into demons instead. That's cool. I didn't know that about them, or maybe I just forgot. It's been a while. I didn't, I didn't play Inferno very much though. It, that's because Inferno is, it is the weakest faction by a lot. That makes sense. They kind of suck. They're, they are. They are terrible. Their like upgraded ranged unit can get has AOE damage though. That's kind of cool. That is very cool. But you know what? Uh, the upgraded, unupgraded. Yeah, the upgrade. I think it may be unupgraded too. I don't know. My whole point is, liches do the same thing too. Uh, they are necropolis, and liches are no bitches. They do way more damage than the gogs, and their AOE does not affect undead units. If your guys are in melee, you don't harm your own. The magogs, uh, for the inferno, they do blast their own people yeah the undead are actually like wildly broken for a whole bunch of reasons but they're not broken they're just very strong no they uh, they, are, they are banned from turning yeah, no they get they get banned but that's not that's not that doesn't mean they're broken 
they're just they're just stronger than the others but <laughs> just to a significant degree now it also it also depends though because like there are builds uh that completely counter the undead uh like uh tower you know uh tower if they build uh that one uh, i don't remember the name that one hero who specializes in chain lightning that'll wipe out a stack of uh, a thousand skeletons like that yeah one spell it wipes out your entire army i played against a guy back in uh, university because we used to play uh like little lawn games of Heroes of Might and Magic when we were supposed to uh, do our 3D work. <laughs> uh, and we were all playing casually because none of us are really good. Like, I, I never followed a guide in my life. I just like to build undead shit. Like, I, I use zombies in my armies, even though they slow my army's movement, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's the th- Yeah, you're supposed to leave the tier two unit back in your base. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like, your army is only as fast as the slowest unit in the army. Yeah. So uh, if you want to travel around the land, pick up all the gold mines and all that stuff, you, you got to be able to move. So, uh, yeah, we, I was playing, I guess, this one guy, and he was, like, really cocky about winning. And I was like, okay, well, you know, don't have to be that cocky. Let's see, let's see how good you are. <laughs> so we were a group of people playing, and he was just dominating everyone. He was playing tower, and he had this really nasty, nasty, nasty strategy. Where his main hero, like his other heroes were piss weak, but his main hero was just souped up spellcaster who started the battle with chain lightning and left you with nowhere to go after. <laughs> like he didn't even need units in his army because his first spell put you right out of commission. <laughs> I don't know how he did it, but for some, some way he managed to soup up his main sorcerer so he was so powerful that no one wanted to fight him like we tried to take out his cities because uh, we all ended up working together against him uh, and he ended up with just one city though so he didn't win uh, yeah. but he would have won if we didn't work together because we had to avoid it, it was like it was like some kind of juggernaut just walking through and we had to take his bases from him avoiding his army because if we met that wizard we just counted that hero as dead yeah yeah, well, and, and there were there were nodes you could get where you could increase your power and your knowledge, your maximum mana, and how much damage you did. And and boy, did he do that! The, if you get to tier four and five, you start getting the teleport spells, which are ridiculous because you can start like hopping over mountain walls. You can also teleport between any city you own. So, not only can you like teleport to any city you own, but when when you stay in that city overnight, which you have to because it uses up all your movement, I think, um, or you just stay there, whatever. You, all your mana restores, so you can get your mana up to like four hundred, and then like the if you focus on like uh, air, which I think is what chain lightning is, is the air magic spell. You can do like the improved haste, which gives your entire army haste, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it's, it, it can be pretty gross. Uh, I mean, in, in the game of might and magic, magic really is the winner. <laughs> it is mighty. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's a, the good thing about us both being amateurs is when, when we inevitably play, it's going to be like, it doesn't matter because I've never been in like a multiplayer. Nah, neither of us is going to have any kind of uh, reasonable strategy. Like uh, I, as a player, I am such an undead purist 
that even if I pick up some really good units from like diplomacy or something, I'm still going to bring them to the skeletal transfer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take, in, take these, exchange these 20 archangels for 20 skeletons, please. That is literally what happens, man. Uh, and I, I, I exclusively use the school of earth because that's the undead magic. <laughs> yeah. I think I was, the second I, like, because I, I, in my childhood, I also read about zodiac signs because they fascinated me. I mean, I was never a superstitious kid, but I thought it was cool. Yeah. So I immediately like goats and satyrs because I'm in Capricorn. And uh, it also meant that because uh, the, the Capricorn is an earth sign. So I thought it was written in the stars that I was supposed to only use earth magic because it's the undead magic. And I'm born under the sign for undead magic. <laughs> you know yeah uh, you know the, the the gods and the stars they definitely do care about uh about the schools of magic in a video game in the 90s yeah well and, and when you when you're a kid like that your magic seems so possible oh yeah yeah i mean that magic is uh almost a fact well i'm still i'm still kind of superstitious now i have i have my own little quirks and beliefs about like you know, <laughs> things <laughs> but yeah. i think i think when i think it's cool that you absorbed that so fully and applied it to video games to kind of you're all like it, it, it's not keeping to the lore in the way you can with warhammer because who knows what the lore of heroes of Might magic 3 is <laughs> yeah i beat i beat the campaign and i don't remember a thing about it <laughs> that wasn't that long ago that i beat it and, and the camp, camp campaigns are hard especially yeah, the last you know, I have I have never never played the campaign of any game hmm. never not not even once really yeah I've only been interested in playing the the like uh, uh, multiplayer game so to say even when I was playing against myself and the AI you know yeah oh that's cool yeah because yeah, it's it's just I just think it's I like the sandboxiness. Sandbox uh, part of the game is just really, it, it really appeals to me. It's always really irritating when you, you play a level that has warps all over the place and you can't tell. They're all like one way warps and you can't tell which way it comes out where. And Oh, you know, yeah. That's, that's just, uh, <laughs> that's like jumping into a well in real life and just hoping that there's like a cave at the bottom. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, yeah. You would. You would. If you took the warp yourself, you'd pop out next to an AI and get get, get smashed if you weren't careful, or the AI would be zipping all over, and you would leave your base to go grab something, and all of a sudden you'd see like an orange flag hiding at the edge of a fog of war, and you're like, "Damn it, <laughs> it sucks." Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think there was anything over there, and then you go, and there, it wasn't. It was just the exit of a portal. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually played a game before Heroes of Might and Magic. It was called Lords of Magic. Oh, yeah. You told me about this once. Yeah. So it's simpler. It's also a 4X game. So it, it's kind of the same type of gameplay. You like you go into a battle and, and fight. Um, instead of being turn-based, it was real-time. So you had to, you know, you could pause and issue commands. But it was more hectic feeling. Um, and the armies were bigger. It was a little bit more like Warhammer in the sense that you would each army had, uh, you could you could have up to three heroes leading it, and then under 
each hero that you could have three sets of units. And if you built infantry or cavalry or archers or whatever, you would get multiple units of them. It and does so you sound would, a bit like Total Warhammer. It's 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 actually closer to Warhammer than I think Heroes of Might and Magic is. And I feel like it yeah, because you also also you have the, the real time battles that you can pause and give commands. Yeah. Uh, immediately I recognize that. Well, and it had um, eight different fates. So there was fire, water, air, and earth. And then there was chaos, order, life, and death. And each one, like Heroes of Might and Magic, was different. Um, it, it, they all had their strengths and weaknesses. Some of them had like crappy magic. Water was really fun to play because they were the only ones that had good boats. And you could always just trounce anybody you found in the ocean. And so... And they were also very defensive because you're surrounded by allies and death was super far away from you. And death was like always the bad guy unless you played death. Then like it was you versus the whole world, which is kind of fun. Um, like playing Archaeon. You kind of like playing Archaeon, yeah. And when you could even you could even spread your corruption because you could get a spell that would change the ground to like a, the, the black swamp. <laughs> so you, you, know, you show up to life and you just spread your swamp everywhere just to piss them off. Um, it sounds like I would have liked that faction, honestly. <laughs> Probably. Well, <laughs> they had all the undead units, and you could raise. They they had their raised dead spells and all that. So I, I think that would be their. Uh, I'm a shoe in for that. <laughs> yeah, and you could raise like shades and skeletons and like monsters and stuff. That'd be neat. Um, the only drawback to that oh, game was there was so only hard. one map, so every game was the same, sort of. You know. As a shame. I mean, it's an early game, right? It was. It was. It, it came out. I think. Oof, I don't know. My obviously, I've, I've done this before, where I thought things came out at a certain time and I was wrong. So, I, it was in the '90s sometime. <laughs> <laughs> but that one got me really into it, and then my neighbor gave me a demo disc because he had like a PC gamer or something. Uh, one of the one of the gaming magazines. He got a demo disc, and it, it was on there. And I played it, and you could only play Life and Earth. And it was super, and I was like, I need to buy this game. And so I hunted it down and found it. And yeah, hmm. loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you, do you find that like you have a hard time getting into new games? Uh, yeah, very much so. Like I, I'm, I really like to grab one game and then play that game to, to the death. I like to I like to get invested in like lore and universes, and I I don't like the gameplay is obviously important, but it's not as important to me as the worlds. Like I I'm very much a franchise person. Like uh, I'll try a new game if it's a Warhammer game or a Warcraft game or something like that. But if it's completely unrelated, like it's a brand new franchise or something like that, uh, I'm not that willing to get into it. Yeah. Uh, unless it's something I'm willing to really get into, you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to learn about the world. I want to get invested emotionally and all of that. Um, and that's the, the world building is really important to me when it comes to uh, caring about the game. It it's feels just, overwhelming, doesn't it? Like just to have to learn more. <laughs> no, I like learning more, but I also I also like having something that I can be attached to. Okay. You know, like if it's a game that only, like this is the one-off time, I'm, I'm not attached to it. Like. Uh, uh, I got into Divinity 
And I love divinity. I love the universe in divinity. I'm really attached to it. Uh, but like, if it's just another game set in another universe that is similar to divinity, I'm not going to feel as strongly about playing it. Okay. You like, know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm a little skeptical about Baldur's Gate, even though I'm really excited about it because Divinity 2 was the best RPG I've ever played in my life. <laughs> well, and you know, it's funny because I am really into Baldur's Gate. Like I, I even had the, the books, like Ed, Ed Greenwood wrote a bunch of Elminster books. Um, and then there were the Drizzt novels. And the only like D&D that I played any campaign for longer than like two sessions was set in Farron, which is the Baldur's Gate universe. So I was, I've always really liked like Baldur's Gate and uh, um, Icewind Dale. And then there was the uh, third person like RPG style one. What was that? I forget. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But my friend bought me Divinity 2 for my birthday last month. And yeah, I've been, well, I've been trying to get into it, but I'm having a hard time. <laughs> you know what? Uh, how about how about we play together uh, soon? Okay, I'm fine for that. Yeah, yeah, because the game plays really well as a multiplayer game. It's kind of designed for it. I have heard that, and I have obviously I haven't played it for more than like two hours. So, uh, what 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 are you doing tomorrow? Um, we'll we'll, we'll play we'll playing Divinity the podcast. Planning after the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no, we already, we're all it's it's set in stone, and I have I have a audio record to prove it. <laughs> Will your honor please read? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, please read. Listen. Uh, oh yeah, no, the the, the, yeah. the judge wouldn't read it, but the stenographer, I don't even know. No, that is the right word, stenographer. Yeah, I don't know what that means, but uh, I've heard it many times on Law and Order. Well, the the stenographer is the one who types. Who, who, yeah, who, who the typist. Yeah, it's usually a very old lady. <laughs> it is in Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the stenographer is always an old lady, and, or or maybe sometimes a not old lady, but you know, you would call her a spinster in an old times lady. You know. Yeah, I don't think like, I don't think very many uh, recent college graduates are st- stenographers. Yeah, stenographer is like it's kind of like the lady you expect to be the librarian at your school. <laughs> sure, you know, that's that's the maybe they hire librarians because they already know words. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Some... Although I that I feel like that'd be a step down because librarians usually have their masters in, in libraries. Yeah, and also librarian is a cool title with a very very cool office. Oh God. The libraries in our in, in Cleveland are super nice. Oh, I love libraries, man. Like ah, uh, just you get this energy from just being in there. It's freaking cool. You just want to yeah. grab a tome and channel a spell. But yeah, it's like uh, maybe that's what they do to get the stenographers. Maybe they just hired all the all the old ladies, like that used to be young ladies on Mad Men. You know, in Mad Men times, the fifties. <laughs> yeah. You know, back when they had like they had to have a person. Uh, actually transfer you from one phone call to the other so you would call a lady and she would like then put you over to another phone the the telephone operator oh yeah that's what they're called yeah and they also used to type a lot too maybe that's what they do they just got the old typists and then we're like okay we need someone in the courtroom now that we have 
proper technology and these jobs are obsolete. We need. Speaking of exactly that, they, they, uh, so the guy who invented the automatic switch, so you wouldn't need telephone operators anymore, the, the guy that put all those people out of business, he was a mortician. And what? Yeah, he was a mortician. Connection? Well, here, here it is. The, the, one of the local telephone operators for his town um, was married to another mortician. And so when calls would come in and people would ask for one, she would always reroute them to her husband's business. And so <laughs> the other mortician, one of the other local morticians that lived in the area got pissed off eventually and invented an automatic switch to run her out of business. So <laughs> it wouldn't be needed anymore. <laughs> so he'd have a fair shake. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And I would never expect those two professions to connect. Well, Just, hey, anybody can turn into an engineer in prison. I, I imagine that you can be an engineer as long as you're creative and you're feeling the pettiness too. I, I'm sure there was a large amount of satisfaction when he's like, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> ah, the dead bodies are mine. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> do, we have a, do we have any word from our sponsors oh you know what we do we do that's that's actually a good point let's let's stop and take a moment all right you've heard of glitter bombs you've heard of mail a bear now introducing muck mail it's the only mail order service to send people trash with muck mail you can send friends and family all sorts of composite mixtures which may include declogged drain gunk dirty diapers and moldy half-eaten food and if you sign up now for, for free, you can mail your garbage with glitter. We will take <laughs> pounds and pounds of glitter. We'll pour it in. And then for an extra 50 bucks, we'll even spread it on their lawn. That's right. Muck mail. Get brash with trash. <laughs> Thank you. I, you know, we almost missed them. They, they, they paid a lot for this episode. Yeah, I mean, we do attract some really, really like special ad people, don't we? We do. I'm starting to wonder if there's a trend. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the big, the, the biggest curiosity is why none of them advertise twice. Actually, uh, let's not wonder that out loud because we won't get new advertisers if we're, if we're asking those yeah. kinds of questions. <laughs> it might be connected to the fact that we are our audience. <laughs> What kind of things would I want to buy? I know. A, ma a mail order service that sends glitter-laden trash to people's homes. They don't really need, they also don't really need to like, they don't really need to advertise twice because one ad is all they need to get our entire audience to have heard that ad. That's true. Yeah. of our audience, at least at this point, have heard. Yeah all the ads that we've done so far yeah let's look forward to a brighter future where another two people listen to us i'm going for six jesus christ man i think we can like, do six i think we do this for you've six never years. heard the story of icarus <laughs> huh? your wax wings are gonna melt six people six people six people in six years six and six. Oh, jesus we're not gonna be able to get a new person each year it's straight from like, corporate. It's we we gotta grow. Yeah. <laughs> the orders, the orders, it's not from me, it's from corporate. <laughs> well, if corporate says it. <laughs> you wanna be you wanna yell at someone, take it up with them. <laughs> yeah. 
Not a yell of corporate. What do you think? So, going back to video games, GameFAQs used to host this like best game ever contest, and they would have like a tournament style thing. And Ocarina of Time won all the time. And Ocarina of Time has been listed over and over again as the greatest game of all time. Well, it, it, it very well might be. It's fantastic. And why do you think that is? Well, just because the way it gets you into the universe, right? It's, uh, it's hard to describe in words, man. It just gets you really into the universe, which is a big deal for me. Uh, the gameplay is really crisp, uh, despite being such an old game. Uh, the, 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 you have so many different mechanics and weapons, and they all have their use. There's no, there's no such thing as a useless weapon in that game, you know. Uh, you have all uh, sorts. Well, of... Deku nuts, Deku nuts. Uh, okay, you do have a useless weapon. In I claim those are useless because you don't have to use them for anything, and I never use them. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Scratch <laughs> that last part. Most of the weapons are super useful. But I would agree with you. Yeah, the inventory is amazing. Inventory is fantastic. Like just the different clothes you have. Like you have red clothes for fire, blue clothes for water. You know this kind of this kind of like they they set you up to have all these different environments. And those environments too, they they add a lot to the game. They, the world building is amazing for that game. Yeah. You know, you visit all these different races of people. They all have their different shops. Shops and games are great, and you want to buy what's in the shop. You know, it has a day and night cycle, which is a big deal for me. Uh, I love it when you're outside Hyrule Castle, right? Like, and, and it's nighttime. The undead rise, and you can fight them. That blew my mind. You know, on silver and gold, like how at night suddenly they have a night cycle there, and you can catch night Pokemon. It's different. Yeah, you know, it's exciting to play at night, right? It was. But, that was that was a, that was a cool addition. I liked I liked it in that. Yeah, there's just there's just a lot of cool things in Ocarina of Time. Combat's really crisp. There's a lot of different stuff you can do. Uh, there's a lot of riddles, a lot of puzzles, which are great for RPGs. And those puzzles are legitimately difficult. You know, it's like yeah. you, you you do need to you do need to sit down and think for a moment. Like, yeah, you gotta you gotta work that brain of yours. Well, there was there was a lot of spatial reasoning, which I appreciated because, like in in uh, the forest temple with the when the hallway twists, you have to go back through that section of the twisting hallways because there's two of them. Yeah, you have to go back through that a few times, and it's easy if you're not paying attention to the different orientations that are possible. It's really easy to think, "Well, I've already been over here. I'm just going to leave that alone." When that's actually where you need to go next, you know, because it it can be challenging to keep track of that kind of stuff. Same with the water temple. The water temple, you have to like collect all the keys, and you have to open up that long series of doors to find Shadow Link, but just kind of remembering what even if you've played the game before multiple times like remembering which keys are on which level because you'd have to raise and lower the water levels and i think another thing that makes it so great because a lot of games have puzzles right yeah but the games are either like the puzzles are either shit easy like skyrim's puzzles which are not even puzzles you know <laughs> right, like, right. match the snake the eagle and the dolphin to the snake the eagle and the dolphin on the wall it's like oh wow i feel stimulated right uh, <laughs> or you have puzzles in Morrowind that are just what you know you have to go to another city find a book in that city and in that book there is like a poem that says breathe the waters of life and 
that is a hint for you to go to another city in an underwater temple and drown yourself. <laughs> Morrowind had some arcane shit in that game. That yeah, was... <laughs> like, that, 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 there, no, no way you would ever think of that even like with help, right? <laughs> so that's just too difficult. Well, ocarinas are difficult. They're like brain teasers. But, but even before I could read English... Uh, and if, before I could read Norwegian, for fuck's sake, but before I knew English, I could I could solve those puzzles using just my child brain and the help of my friend who had a better child brain. Yeah. But we didn't need to read anything. Like, I since played it and read, like, okay, this would have been helpful to know as a kid. But you can find your way through it, through, like, intuitive thinking, you know? So was Ocarina your, the first Zelda you played? Uh, it, it yeah, it was the first Zelda I played, but I I, di- I never owned it. I didn't play it a lot as a kid. I I played it at a friend's house, uh, same friend who had Mario Kart and uh, and Pokemon Stadium. Okay, so that's the kid that you ate like tons of candy with and just played multiplayer games all night. <laughs> yeah, I mean he wasn't really a friend of mine. Like he he didn't like me, and no no kids liked me. I think, but uh, you know I lived next to him, and uh, he had to deal with me. Yeah, no choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was that kid. <laughs> uh, um, w- w- let me ask you this: when you got the, when you had all three tunics in Ocarina, which one did you run around in? Uh, the red one. Okay, I was blue. Red one's the coolest one. No, blue is blue looked the best. No, 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 no. Strong disapproval of that of that choice. Oh, you know, like, I mean, red is better. I just I, want to say right now, your opinion is wrong. Rather red than dead. <laughs> Explains why you died so much after the fire temple. <laughs> no, no, but the red was cooler. Red is more aggressive. It's more fucking cool. It's yeah, yeah, red. <laughs> See arguments. Yeah, you sold me. That was. <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, Charizard, Pokemon Red, what you want, huh? Are you a Blastoise boy? So how's law school going, Joe? That's oh. <laughs> I'm still trying to I'm still trying to convince them to let me in. <laughs> I have convinced them to put up a restraining order against me, so I feel like that's legal. <laughs> it's pretty legal. I've done something. Oh god. Yeah, you know, I was always envious of when I grew So before I moved out to Garrettsville, I spent the first, until I was five, I lived in Maple Heights, which is just a suburb of Cleveland. And there, there was this family of kids across the street. There was a girl my age. And so I'd go over and I'd play video games at their house. And they had all the Mega Man games, which I thought were sweet. They had the what? Mega Man dudes? Mega Man games. Oh, 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 okay. You know what? I can relate to the sweetness of those games because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going disrupt, to disrupt your story. Yeah, oh, I'm... no. I mean, it's not much of a story, really. I just couldn't believe. I thought it was so cool that you could take the powers from the bad guys and use them. That, oh, that is so cool. <laughs> like, that, like that really simple mechanic blew my mind. I thought it, it was the greatest thing ever. It's such a fantastic way of progression because... Uh, not only does it make the boss fight against the guy memorable because you learn how the ability works, right? Yeah. But it also makes the boss itself memorable because you have a trophy. It's trophy collecting. People <laughs> love trophy collecting. It's yeah. the reason why old-timey soldiers used to collect heirs and necklaces. 
And that's why serial killers collect fingers and necklaces. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a very it's a very like primal part of us. You know, yeah. serial killers could probably update themselves a little to modern society, but you know, I, I get the I get the urge. If I was killing a bunch of people for fun, I would want to keep some mementos. You know what though? I, every single play that I ever really liked to do that that i was in in one capacity or another if i really enjoyed the experience i would kind of take a prop like a tiny one something inconsequential like we did uh the first musical i did in college it i didn't actually like the musical so much it's it's okay it's it's called she loves me it's real kind of generic mid-20th century feel-good love story type thing and uh it's got some semi-famous songs in it but it 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 was it takes place in like a perfume or or cosmetics shop of some kind and we had like fancy soaps like stacked up so i, I swiped one of the soaps and in this like i, I kept that <laughs> and it's just a memento and i have a whole bunch of them from like five or six different plays that i really enjoyed doing yeah, but that's sweet that's sweet then you have something to jog your memory when you're an old man the stage manager for one particular show didn't find it funny they well, stage <laughs> manager from that particular show can go fuck themselves <laughs> they found out like a year and a half later and they took like the whole stage management thing which which is great she's actually a stage manager now for a major production house but she was less than pleased when she found out i had taken something from a totally different show she's like that's why i couldn't find it she's like bring it back i was like no <laughs> I'm going to. And she's like, I'm going to turn you in. I was like, I will reimburse the department. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> I mean, they were all like meaningless trinkets, but you know, I can I can also see sentimental value. Like the, the, to them, they're meaningless. To them, they're just monetary value, right? Yeah. 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 I guess you could argue if you wanted to get to be a pain in the ass about it. You could say something like, well, you know, that other people should deserve to find that happiness in these items and they can't if you take it with you. So it's uh, well, the other people can take the other soaps then. <laughs> you cared enough to steal. Did they care that much? Did they care enough to like hobble their own sense of morality? No, no, they didn't. So, so what you're saying is law school is going very well. <laughs> this, is, this is the defense I would use. Right. It's flawless. I think yeah. it's great. Yeah, Redefining yeah. the judicial system one theft at a time. <laughs> Your honor, my client wanted that car badly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The owner may have bought the car, but did the owner care enough to steal did the owner care enough to risk losing his freedom for this vehicle? I think not. He spent an hour and a half watching YouTube tutorials on how to hotwire this car. Yeah, that is time he will never get back. <laughs> and now you want to put him in prison for it? <laughs> and imagine, imagine all the spare time he will have in prison. You're only you're only risking more cars stolen in the future. Imagine all the hot wiring knowledge he can he can learn with that spare time. Oh, and he can he can teach the other inmates. So when they get out of prison, they can steal cars. And all the then then all the other inmates will become criminals. 
<laughs> Is that what you want, Your Honor? <laughs> it looks like you're making our, our crime problem worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna next next judge election. I'm gonna say you're soft on crime. <laughs> let my client go. <laughs> oh Christ! It probably work. It, I think it would. <laughs> I think it would. Well, and and when it comes to like like era defining games, I feel like I'm missing out on them. But I also don't care. It's a weird. It's a weird thing because video games are such a major part of uh just it's 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 not a it's not a major part of my identity it's more like it's just a, a way i found to waste time that's enjoyable and so i do it a lot and i yeah. find myself kind of like rattling around t- taking on new games is very difficult for me because i don't i feel like i don't have the time which isn't maybe isn't terribly true it just feels like work to learn new stuff that is for video games when I have to learn other new things for other stuff like work. And I think I'm uh, I think I'm in the exact same boat as you are on this issue, because uh, video games have been very formative to me. They mean a lot to me, but I I would never describe myself as a gamer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And and like I won't play Fortnite, <laughs> you know. And I know. It's got new things that have it like the battle royale scene is like really in right now. And the, the the fact that internet connections finally don't suck means that multiplayer is so much is better now than it's ever been at any point in history, just because you don't have to go to your friend's house and bring a controller with you in order to play someone. Or like trying to play Warcraft three would be difficult because so many people had connection issues because not everybody had a secure connection. <laughs> I think gaming was better when you had to go to a friend and play together. Only if you had friends. Oh, uh, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I did. I had friends and, and I would play games with them, but it was always like the same two or three people. Oh, yeah. Same, same. But that experience, I think that experience is better than the online experience. Yeah, oh, sure, sure, sure. So what I would say is, but, but I guess the difference is, is like if a friend comes over, whether or not we play video games, I'm still going to bond with them regardless. So there's like bonding time with friends. Oh, yeah. But it's like it enhances the experience of the game, you know? Right. It does. It's like, it's like saying this, uh, like uh, these spices are delicious, you know, but they're, they're delicious on their own. But uh, those potatoes become more delicious from those spices, the potatoes being the gaming and the spices being the friends. That's the, I would say that's an incomplete analogy only because sometimes I just want to eat spices. And by, and by what, by that, I mean, like, sometimes I want to be by myself, but still com- playing competitively in something. And then you're not eating spices. Then you're just having plain potatoes, man. I think it's plenty spicy because <laughs> <laughs> you can be really competitive against strangers but not care if you hurt their feelings. I don't mean like troll or, or, or flame or, or be a jerk, but I just like, sometimes like if you're, you know, you're playing with that friend that gets mad and like you start beating them and they're like ready to throw their controller and like everything goes silent because you don't want to rub it in and like make them not want to play anymore. So you have some, uh, you have some space friends, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, maybe. Yeah. I mean, especially growing up. Uh, I know what you mean, though. Sometimes when you play with certain friends, 
uh, you'll have to like when they uh, you, have, you have to kind of like intentionally play worse without making it seem like you play worse and then you have to play it up when they kill you like oh you got me so good that time or you go like uh, like oh you almost had me there almost just to not just to keep them from dropping the controller basically yeah there's oh, that so close yeah I, I hate that i hate having to cater to people that way there's know? there's that but there's I, I think there's also like um i think there's two other things one if, if you're better than your friend you're going to continue to play the same way because they play the same way so when you when you go online because it, everybody's different you see a whole myriad of play styles oh, and, like there's no room for improvement if you're already beating a friend Right. Yeah, there's a there's a definite ceiling to how, how how much better you can get, and after a while, you're just rehashing the same experience over and over again. Yeah, like yeah, you can be the smartest uh, smartest guy in the trailer park, but uh, if you never go to university, you're never going to get any smarter than that. Right. And <laughs> yeah, sure. And also, and I think the I think the the other point is that that sometimes I just uh, I'm, I'm I, I like alone time, and sometimes I don't feel like playing with other people but I still want the competitive aspect to it. So like, you know, there were times I just wanted to play somebody else in a video game growing up, but I didn't want to have anyone over because it was like just, you know, depressed or whatever. So Mm. I wasn't able to do that ever. And so, yes, I do think the overall quality of time is better when you spend it with friends. There were times I didn't want to because I, I wanted to be by myself, but I wasn't, I didn't even have the option to play multiplayer against someone else. And to that, I think it's kind of cool that now you can just like get on Xbox and just, you know, look up totally random strangers. You can turn your headset off so you don't have to hear them like, you know, saying all the ways, all the positions they found, they got your mom in. And like, you can, you can just be competitive without having to go through and like smash the AI with like the three tricks that work. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh yeah, I don't know. Games are games are excellent. Definitely like strategy. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, <laughs> I wanted to point out that shit. <laughs> Excellent point. Game. I'll mark it down. <laughs> there was a game I wanted to give credit to that is a really good game, but I forgot it existed now. Hmm. It can't have been that good. Now, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, in that case, this has been Moot. Please follow us on Twitter at the Moot Podcast or visit us at our Moot subreddit, r slash Moot. All right. Thank you very much, and we will see you later. Yes, we will.